All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. You're listening to Dropping the Gloves with former NHL All-Star John Scott, a member of the Nation Network of Podcasts and delivered by DoorDash. Good afternoon, everybody. Thanks for joining us here on Dropping the Gloves. Tim's here. I'm here. First real night of action, Tim. Felt good. Felt really good. Start of the season. What are you looking for as a coach? What are you looking for as a GM? What are you looking for as a player? What do you want to see from your team as a coach? Are you expecting sloppy play, Tim? Because preseason, let's be honest. You don't dress your full team usually. You're trying to see what what you have in the cupboard. You already know what you have as far as NHL talent. You have expectations. But what you're trying to do in preseason is just, you know, see what else we have. If a guy goes down, if a guy starts playing bad, if a goalie gets in a slump, do we have a replacement? That's what preseason's for. On the regular season, the first couple games – what are you looking for, Tim, as a coach? If if you're icing a team game one, what do you want to see? Well, it's it's funny because it's not perfection, right? You're not looking for like things to work out perfectly. You're not looking for like people not to make mistakes and all this stuff. I think, I think a lot of it's just like energy, aggressiveness, attitude, hard work. Um, I was watching the Lightning game the other night, and John Cooper was interviewed during a little commercial break, and and the lady asked him what he thought of his team so far, and he said something along the lines of, like, really positive. Really liked it. The guys were skating. They were hungry. Um, they were skating with a little bit of uh, urgency, which is what you want to see, especially on opening night, the first couple of games of the season. It's not about getting everything right. It's just about being hungry and showing that you want to be there, I think. I agree. Somewhat. I feel like you, you have to show the energy. You want to see the legs. You want to see the up-tempo play. And I think the first couple games, the first couple weeks of the season, you want to implement what type of team you are. Different teams have different identities. Different teams stress different things. The Toronto Maple Leafs team stresses speed. They stress aggressiveness. They stress puck control. That's the type of team that they want to be. Conversely, a team like the Montreal Canadiens, maybe they stress defense a little bit more. They see what they have. They stress defense. A team like the Chicago Blackhawks, they can't stress. They can't be run and gun. They can't be puck control. 
What they're going to stress is the defensive zone. We have to take care of our own end. We have to win games two to one. It's interesting to see the different personalities of every team come out. And I think we saw that in the first day of actual real hockey. Multiple games, most multiple teams' first games. All in all, Tim, I think there was, what, six, seven games on the docket? Overall, I was really impressed with the, with the, the pace, the speed, the execution. I think there was a lot of good games. You, you saw what I saw, turnovers. People trying to do too much. People maybe being used to summer hockey, making that pass through the middle, thinking they have a little bit too much time, getting their pocket picked, getting the pass picked off through the middle, not being strong in the puck on the blue lines. When you look at all the goals, however many that were scored, I want to say 30% of them were scored off of a turnover. And that's, I guess that's expected. The first week, two weeks of the season, you have to shake off a little of that rust, especially if you're a, a veteran player. We'll get into a certain key situation where this costs teams games. But let's just start with, with your team, Tim. Boston Bruins starting off the season versus the Washington Capitals. Very exciting. Obviously, you don't have a Brad Marchand. You don't have a Charlie McAvoy. You don't have a, a Grizzlick. Missing three key pieces if they're to succeed this, this season. But luckily, they get a cupcake in their first game. They get to go to Washington and just pick on the Washington Capitals, who out of all the games last night, this one was the slowest. This one was, I would say, the least skilled. And this one was, it was tough to watch at times. The Capitals looked terrible. The Bruins looked okay. The one shining star in this whole game, in my mind, was David Bosternock. Boy, oh boy, did he look good. He was a man amongst boys. He just looked like he was in midseason form. He was aggressive with the puck, taking it off the boards, attacking the net, constantly getting chances, dragging Krejci up and down the ice with them. That Pavel Zaka, that was a good line. What do they call it, the Czech Republic line? Is that is that what they're calling in Boston, the Czech line? Yeah, it was a good game. Pasta looked really good. Um, what what kind of stuck out to me was just how quiet it was because I wasn't watching this game live. I had it. It wasn't on ESPN, so I was watching on ESPN Plus. I was watching the Leafs game last night, but watching like the three four minute highlight video, and it was one nothing game. Pasta had already scored, and it was showing the replay of Pasta's second goal and or his second his second goal. Yeah, and it was like dead quiet in the arena and all you can hear is like the sticks it was like during the lockout when there was empty arena and i was thinking to myself i'm like is this the right audio is like is something muted or whatever no the crowd's just dead quiet opening night one goal game i get the bruins have some momentum so it's a little little bit quieter but it was like you could hear the players on the ice talking to each other you could hear the sticks and nothing else really strange from a team that was a playoff contender Will be a playoff contender this year. They still have a, they're still a pretty good team and just not the best fans in hockey. That was, that was really surprising to me. When that place gets rocking, it is, it is a fun place to play. It's, it's definitely loud, but you know, the Capitals are done. I said it last year. They had a really great start and they proved me wrong. They did not look good last night, top to bottom, all around. Nobody looks strong. Ovechkin, and hey, listen, the guy's a superstar. He's going to be a first ballot Hall of Famer. Will go down as the best goal scorer in history, potentially. Non-existent. Their defense looked awful. Absolutely atrocious. 
top to bottom, they did not look good. Tom Wilson, obviously not playing. TJ Oshie, not playing. Nick Backstrom, not playing. Carl Hagelin, not playing. A lot of guys out for the Washington Capitals at this point. Oh, sorry, TJ Oshie did play. That's a slight. I didn't even notice him. But it, it was it was a tough start for the Washington Capitals. This is going to be a long season for them. I know I, I don't want to... I don't want to take too much away from just one game. It's one game. A lot changes over the course of 82 games, but it's hard not to look into this and say, we are going to be bad. We just let the Boston Bruins walk into our barn game one of the NHL season after a long off season. And they're coming in, licking their wounds, missing arguably three of their top five or six players. And they just worked us. They absolutely worked us. We looked like, an AHL team playing against an NHL team. That's at times that's how bad it looked. The Bruins looked good, but how much is that? Is the Bruins being a good hockey team? How much is that? Is just the Capitals looked really bad, Tim. It was surprising how slow this game was at times. It was slow. Yeah, it was slow. And even like I think it was the third or fourth goal when Mike Riley's entering the zone, cross eyes pass to Pasta, back door to Taylor Hall. Good goal, but it was just like it, it looked like uh, like a scrimmage, you know, just between the quiet building, the pace of the play, the lack of really fight from from the Caps at that point in the game. They did battle back. It was three to two at one point, but yeah, the Bruins looked better. I saw another great quote from David Krejci, who was two assists in his first NHL game in over a year. He looked pretty good. Um, and he had a good quote about pasta, just basically saying it, the potential is uncapped. He just keeps getting better and better. So big things for him, I think, this season, entering a contract year. I think he's going to put up maybe close to 100 points. Yeah, cap is the operative word in that thing. That guy, he is going to double his salary. Looking forward to the to the ink when that dries, because that guy is going to get 12 and a half. He has to. He has to get 12 and a half. This coming, this coming deal. We're not going to get into that. All right, moving on. What other games we had last night? I, I, I want to just ease into it. I don't want to jump into the big games just yet because I feel like we just jump right in and hit the Leafs and the Oilers, and those are interesting games. And and when we lose sight of other games, there were some other games being played last night. Games where there there were very interesting teams matching up: Carolina and Columbus. Maybe not a consequential matchup in people's minds. Carolina is a Stanley Cup contender. Carolina has a good team. Carolina is expected to to be in the mix for the President's Trophy this year. And then you got the Columbus Blue Jackets. Made a big splash. Johnny Gaudreau. Big, big money. Resigned Patrick Laine. They're going to be a different team this year. They're going to run and gun. Did you see catch any of this action, Tim? What did you think of this matchup? I saw Laine's goal. That was pretty. But yeah, Columbus is just not... They can't keep up with Carolina for a full game. And I, I am not buying into the Columbus moves with Johnny Gaudreau and Laine. Like it's, it's kind of fun, but I am not expecting too much from them this year. And so I'm not surprised that Carolina was able to win 4-1 to in this matchup. Yeah, Columbus is a bad team. But here's the thing. I say bad team. I say they're garbage. I th- Columbus will be okay. But when you're playing a Carolina Hurricanes team at home, their 25th year. Everybody's fired up. A couple new faces in the locker room. They want to start off the season the right way after last year in the playoffs. They didn't really put the best foot forward. They were they were fired up. And they played really, really good. They came out. What, what stood out for me with the Carolina Hurricanes? Freddie Anderson looks good. Freddie Anderson was tracking the puck. Freddie Anderson was sticky. Freddie Anderson played a very good game for game one of the season. I think if he has a good season, Carolina is going to be a tough cookie come playoff time. I like Freddie Anderson. Brent Burns played okay. Seth Jarvis picking back up right off of last year. Carolina's good. Columbus, 
Patrick Lyon looked good. Like you said, he gets injured in the second period. He was their best player up until his injury. Johnny Gaudreau, somewhat not a factor. Didn't really notice him. Bjorkstrand looked okay. Columbus, Columbus is oh, – sorry, Bjorkstrand's out there anymore. He's in Seattle. They looked okay, but they will be a bad team this year. And I people get, I'm old garbage, this and that. Columbus will be a bottom bottom five to ten team this year. So it was as expected in that one. Let's go to Seattle and Anaheim, Tim. That was a good, it was a good game. Go ahead. Yeah, yeah. Uh, one of the big standouts for me was was Matt Beniers, who was I think was what third overall pick, fourth overall pick um, in his NHL debut. Yeah, uh, senior from Michigan last year, a goal and an assist in his NHL debut on a big stage against another highly skilled team in Anaheim. Really good moment for him. And then the other thing, <laughs> the, the, the overtime goal, Troy Terry on a breakaway. Did you, it started with three on three overtime. Uh, John Gibson makes a big save. He holds on to it for a second, sees like let the smoke clear, and he sees Troy Terry taken off out of the neutral zone. Do you see that that long pass off the boards to give him the breakaway? I did, I did. Good, good pass. Put it in space. Let Troy Terry skate into it. What do you think of this overtime? Can we be done with this overtime finally? I, I, I really, I really don't like the three on three. At what? first, it was, at first it was exciting. You know, it was something new, a new toy to play with. Now I just don't like it. I, I really don't. I think they need to get rid of it. They need to go five on five for 10 minutes or five on five for five minutes. And then you go to a shootout. It's not hockey. It's not, it's, it's three on three. It's shinny. There's it's, I, I really don't like it. I, I, I don't think, and I'm not a purist by any means, but it's not even hockey. It really isn't. It's just three on three run and gun. That play by John Gibson is a good play. It just shouldn't happen. Maybe go four on four. Let's let's find a happy medium. Go four on four for five minutes. You'll still get a, maybe a little bit less offense. I don't know. I, I just I see it, and I'm just like, this is not hockey. It's not. You know what that goal reminded me of, and I'm not just saying it because it was three on three, but Troy Terry's breakaway was a lot like your breakaway in the All Star game. The way he goes side to side with a stick to protect the puck from the stick lift from the guy chasing him right on his butt. Watch the play. It's just like you and, uh, was it Duchenne chasing you? It's an elite play. It's 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 harder than it looks. I know. Not a lot of people can make that play. Me and Troy Terry, maybe. It's a very, very small amount of people that can actually make that play. In that moment, with all the people watching. But going back to the three-on-three, <laughs> do you think they should get rid of it? Do you no. think it's just ran its course? Do you think this is something that'll be... In hockey for the next hundred years, this is it. I like it. What, I mean, what what is their what's their argument against it? Just like they think, think it's a little hockey. gimmicky. Yeah, and I I'm not a big fan of the shootout. I, I think no. if anything, you get rid of the shootout and you get rid of three on three, and you do a five minute overtime and you go back to the old school ways. I, I I get people like to have a definitive winner, and I just don't know. Like we, we gave it a chance. It's been what five ten years. We we've, we've gave it a really good shot. I just don't like it. I I don't know. Even the shootout, it's like okay, the game's over. Let's resurface the ice, take fifteen minutes, and then we're gonna have a, a shootout to decide a winner, potentially decide someone's life when the end of the season is just right around the corner, and you're scratching and clawing for every single point, and it's up to just a goalie and, a, and another. I don't, it, it takes away the team aspect of the game for me. Because three quarters of the bench is gone, you're playing three guys, and you're really only rolling six, maybe seven guys in overtime. That's it. 
It yeah. does e- even the odds quite a bit too, because like every team has four or five good players that they can roll out in those situations. Think about like the Devils, the Devils versus any you know Tampa, right? Like the Tampa's much better top to bottom, and and you play all those guys. But when it's four or five Devils, the odds get a little bit closer. De- Tampa's still better, but like Jack Hughes and Palat and those guys, like they can match up against anyone really well. So I think I think that's part of the benefit. I think is that it does even the odds a little bit for teams that may that can be a little bit more competitive in those situations. Yeah, and then it just boils down to, maybe it's a stupid book I'm reading, but it's the <laughs> the integrity of the game. At what point do you have to just say, you know what? No, this is our game. This is how we like it. You're not changing it because you want it to have more goals or you want it to be more exciting or you don't want anybody to get their feelings hurt because there they're, can't be a loser. We need to just say, there's a tie. There's a five-on-five overtime. That's it. Like, this is hockey. It's five-on-five. It's not a shootout. It's not three-on-three. It's not a gimmicky thing here and there. I don't know. I gave it a chance. I thought it was exciting when it first came on the scene. It was neat, three-on-three, wide-open ice. But the more I watch it, the more I see teams playing near the end of the game not to win. They're playing to just get, get it to the one point to the overtime. I just don't like it. I really don't. But anyways. There's my rant of the day there. Now you can call me a, a wet blanket, everybody. Moving on. Another game out in West Coast. I didn't watch much of this game. I saw a psycho stone with a celebration to, to win it late for the uh, Vegas Golden Knights when he absolutely just went bonkers. Nice shot by him. 4-3 Vegas over L.A. What would you think of this game, Tim? Yeah, um, this one, this is a funny one for me because I always, you know, there's, there's these clips in every game it seems like the defender is stuck behind the net and he's watching the play. Maybe there's a line change and he's, he starts to come out, he comes back. He starts to come out the other direction, he comes back. Sometimes the ref will yell at him. And I never really, you don't know what they're looking at. And I always get annoyed when they do it. It's like, just make the play. Like, what, what are you waiting for? And if your lines change, then just go out and make a, make something happen. And Dorsey did that. It felt like he was back there for like 10, 15 seconds. And maybe it wasn't that long, but it felt like it. And then he finally goes out, sees what he wants to see, makes a long stretch ice pass in less than a minute to play right into Vegas' hands. Just a bad pass. And then all of a sudden it's going back the other way. Mark Stone, patience, patience, roofs the puck. Game over, less than a minute left, and they scored 4-3. to three. So you see that play, like what's going through a defenseman's mind? What is he waiting for in those moments, and how does he mess it up that bad? Well, you're waiting for your guys to get back on the ice. You're waiting for your reinforcements. So you're just sitting – Okay, you're changing. You don't want to shove it up the same side as your guys are changing to. You'll get a too many men on the ice penalty. You're waiting for reinforcements. That's what you're waiting for. You, you know, you can't just all of a sudden start the rush. Two guys are changing. Two guys are coming on the ice. And you just get turned right back around and you dump it up. So you're just trying to have puck control. That's, that's all you're trying to do. Or catch your breath because it's been a long shift. But for the most part, it works. Your guys get a chance to change. But on the other end, you get the opposite effect where the other team gets a chance to set up. They get a chance to get in their defensive situation, their positions, and you practice how to you know stop that. You go you either go one three one or you go aggressive two three. Whether the D man's up on the centerman trying to take that option away, and obviously worked out in Vegas's favor. Mark Stone picked it off and bingo bangle. That guy's a good player. I give him a hard time just because we had some interaction a few years back at a party, and I thought he was just a, a dilly bar, but he's a good player. He really is. He uh, he's a he's a feisty guy out there. I like that. You know what's interesting? I'll ask you this just trivia question. How many 30-goal seasons does Mark Stone have? Three. Zero. No kidding. 
Isn't that strange? Yeah, I looked at it the other night because I, I was wondering. He had 28 and 59 one year, so so that would be a 30-goal season. But, yeah, he's never scored 30 goals in a season. And I, there's a couple of stats I've come across that are like that. Phil Kessel has never scored 40 goals. No which kidding. Is, Really surprising. <clears throat> and another one, um, just off the top of my head, Rick Nash, for all those, you know, decade being a power forward, elite goal scorer, has never had 80 points in a season. It's Get just, out of town. Isn't that strange? Yeah. I would, listeners, if you have any cool stats like that, like send that my way. I love that kind of stuff. It just goes to further emphasize once you get a perception of a player, it just stays with you. Phil Kessel's yeah. a, a goal scorer. Everybody thinks he's a goal scorer. That's what he does. Mark Stone, same thing, goal scorer. Rick Nash, point getter. Alex Galchenyuk's goal scorer. You get that reputation, and it sticks with you throughout your whole career. No matter if you have slumps, no matter if you just start to fall off a little bit, you will always be a goal scorer, and you will have that reputation wherever you go. Even if you're just complete garbage by the end of your career, there's still that potential. You can you know, put 30 on the board. All right, one more game, and then we're going to get into the meat and potatoes, the fun stuff. Speaking of meat, meat and potatoes. When I want food and I don't have anything in my cupboard, Tim, you know what I do? Fire up DoorDash. I had meat and potatoes last night. My wife made a, made a beautiful chili. If we needed some meat, if we needed some potatoes, we would have just fired up the DoorDash app. They will go to the grocery store, and they will get you your groceries. That is how good DoorDash is. Tim uses them. I use them. I would say 50% of the people in the whole world, I might be over overestimating that, use DoorDash. It's a fantastic company. There's a reason they are the best. They do it the best. They give you the best deals, and you're getting one of the best deals here. If you use our promo code GLOVESDDUS if you're in the U.S. of A, GLOVESDD if you're in Canada, you get 25% off. You get free delivery. Use DoorDash. It's a great company. Use it every time you need food. Get some pizza on your late at night coming home from the bar. Get a nice hamburger at lunchtime. I don't care. Get it delivered to your office. Get it delivered to anywhere you are. DoorDash does it. They do it good. Use our promo codes. Give us a little how you doing. And everybody's happy. All right. DoorDash, everybody. Meat and potatoes, Tim. No, let's, do you want to touch on the Chicago Blackhawks game? Colorado <laughs> Avenue. Chicago looked bad. They looked they look bad. Colorado yeah. Bad. Did you and, see and Kale McCarr breaking Tyler Johnson's ankles at the blue no, line? I, I did not. Uh, give that a look. Yeah, it's pretty good. He's just unreal. There's nothing really to talk about with that game, though. Speaking of Kale McCarr, did you see dumb, dumb Gary Bettman? <laughs> or yes. the puck drop talking about all the exciting players on TNT, national TV. The guy just won the Conn Smythe. The guy just won the Norris. He could go down as one of the best hockey players ever to lace him up in the NHL, and you get his first name wrong. How dumb... Do you have to be if you're Gary Bettman? Honestly, you are the commissioner of the NHL. This guy is arguably the face of the NHL at this point. He's a super exciting player. And you call him Caleb. And I listen, I'm not one to throw stones. I mess names up all the time. But if I'm going on national TV and I'm going to reference the best player in the NHL, potentially, he's listing off three, Austin Matthews, Connor McDavid and Caleb McCarr. What are we? What are we doing? Him and Joe Biden hang out together all the time. Those two dummies. It's un. It's unbelievable. The gaff. Like he. Yeah. I don't know. Is there anything else to say on that other than he's just an idiot? I I just wonder like how much of it was just uh, he just misspoke versus he wasn't totally sure what the name was in that moment. So he went no. with Caleb. There's one thing to mispronounce a name. 
there's one thing to just not know a person's name. He does not know that person's name. Caleb is not even close to Kale. It's two completely different names. It's not like me mispronouncing. People say I mispronounce Peter Angelo. <laughs> I know, like I could spell his last name. I think it's what you know. It's just how I pronounce it. I'm not calling him like a completely different name. It's just whatever. It's not a first first names are easier than last name. What did you suck that? <laughs> uh, anything else on that that one, Tim? Did I eloquently? No, no. I saw someone tagged this in a great tweet just about like the Blackhawks having to do this 81 more time. It's like a guy just like crying while he's getting dressed. Just it's going to be a long season for them. It's going to be, it's going to be a long time. The best part of the the whole Colorado thing was they raised the banner, and Jack Johnson plays for the Chicago Blackhawks now. He could not get over to the Colorado side fast enough. When they were raising the banner, he's like, I'm coming over there. I don't want to be on the Chicago Blackhawks anymore. He's been through preseason. He has seen the team that he has to skate with this year, and he desperately wants to go back to Colorado, but it's not going to happen. Chicago's going to be a tough. It's, it's going to be, they're doing it for Bedard. You know, this, they knew this was going to be a long year. It's a completely different scenario than the Columbus Blue Jackets, who actively signed players. Well, not Bjorkstra. It's, it was such a weird offseason for the Blue Jackets when you bring, moving on. Let's get into the meat and potatoes of, the podcast, the highlight game of the night, the showstopper, the one everybody tuned in for, the seven uh, seven thirty seven o'clock time frame was the Toronto Maple Leafs Montreal Canadiens. Toronto Maple Leafs are they desperately every off season they are sprinting to the first game. They want the next season to start so bad to forget about everything that happened in the playoffs last year, losing Game Seven of the Tampa Bay Lightning, losing Game Six of the Tampa Bay Lightning. Another first round exit. They want the season to start so fast so they can just start looking ahead instead of looking behind. And what do we do in the first game? We're in Montreal. We're gonna start the season off flying, and you and you just lose. You lose. Toronto is arguably the best team in the NHL. That's it. They are. That's that's where they are at at this point with this franchise. They are the best team top to bottom in the NHL. Montreal is not. You have no business losing this game if you're the Toronto Maple Leafs. This is terrible. It's a terrible outcome, and I know I don't want to look too far ahead, but everything that we said that will happen to this team stretched out over 82 games happened in this first game. Their offense looked great. Their forwards looked really good. I like Toronto. They played a really good game. Nylander looked good. Tavares looked really good. Matthews and Marner, they were as advertised. I thought Toronto played a very good game. The defense looked slow. The defense looked old. The defense looked like it could not keep up. Mentioning earlier in this program, teams want to play certain ways. Toronto wants to play run and gun. They want to play fast. Why on earth is Muzzin and Hall partnered together? Those guys, this has been a partnership for three, four years. It, It doesn't work. Doesn't work. I don't know why. I know Lilligren's out. He's going to come back. Was Sandin playing? I'm not sure. You have to get those two guys away from each other. They don't make each other work. But everybody else looks slow too. Morgan Riley looks slow. Mark Giordano looks slow. The difference between the defense and the forwards, there was a vast chasm as far as pace of play. Toronto's forwards looked fast. They were on the puck. They were forechecking. And then you would look back and it's like the D-man are just a zone behind. Yeah. 
You need to have that continuity of five man back and forth the ice. Everybody's moving at once. We're going as a unit. We're not going three, wait, 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 and there comes the other two. In today's game, you need to attack as a five-man unit. That's why Colorado was so successful. They had Gerard, They had Taze. They had McCarr. These guys jumped up in the rush. Josh Manson was jumping up in the rush a ton last year. That's why these teams are successful. And I didn't see it last night from the Toronto Maple Leafs blue line. That was an issue. The other major issue was how was Matt Murray going to play? The big unknown, Matt Murray, last three years, not great. The big acquisition from Kyle Dubas this offseason, Matt Murray, really just throwing his whole career on the back of Matt Murray, saying, this is it. You're my guy. I had you in juniors. You won a couple Stanley Cups a years back. Can you be that guy again? What were the early <laughs> early results from Matt Murray, Tim? Yeah, not great. Not a great opening night for him. And I, I do want to focus on some of the positives on the other side of the ice there because Montreal looked pretty good. And, and part of it's, you know, an awesome arena, arguably the best fans in hockey, arguably the best <clears throat> arena in the in the entire league. And it was a pretty cool moment to get that two-on-one or two-on-oh maybe with Caulfield and Suzuki, their first goal of the season. Suzuki to Caulfield, Caulfield roofs it. Just a great moment for them. I think they were down one nothing at that point because Bunting had scored first, so they tied yep. it up. And really cool to see. And, and Caulfield what a shot. He had to get it basically straight up, and he, and he got that and roofed it. I don't really blame Murray for that, other than it was one of three goals that he let in high glove side of a night. So it's like, that one's probably not his fault, but that's still step one of a pattern there. And then Caulfield gets another one, similar goal, two on, two on one. He holds it, holds it, holds it. You think he's going to pass. He ends up shooting it. That's one that absolutely... That Let's Murray touch on that have. one. Why do you think, if, if you're Morgan Riley? You think Cole Caulfield's going to pass? The guy shoots more than anybody in the NHL. There's not a bad angle for Cole Caulfield. And you're playing pass? Ugh. Not a good – I don't know. I just wanted to jump in on that because I saw that one. I was like, what is Riley doing? Marner what, did have a stick on whoever it was on the offside. Marner was back. He was in a decent position, but he was there. And you're playing the pass so aggressively. And Cole Caulfield, you give him all that time, the guy's a shooter. The guy's got a heck of a shot on him. And he just lets him shoot. Murray should have had that one. You you gotta save that one. Yeah, and that was like under the arm too. It wasn't like it snuck just inside the post. It was like almost the middle of the net. So that was that was a tough one for Murray. And then of course the overtime goal started with a bad turnover from Muzzin, and then again probably one that right in the slot. Anderson's got the puck. It's a good play. He takes a second to settle. He's in the slot, moves it high, and Murray sliding the other direction. Didn't look good there. He couldn't see it. Everybody's getting on Murray. Justin Hall's standing right in front of him, and Justin Hall goes down in a butterfly. Like, what are you doing? If you're a defenseman, you're taught to either block the puck or get out of the way. I like there's those are your only two options. You're never taught to go down in a butterfly and play goalie all of a sudden. Justin Hall is terrible. They, they you cannot have him playing defense if you're going to win a Stanley Cup with the amount of minutes that he gets. Jake Muzzin looks slow. Toronto needs to do something. And I I said this, Tim. Did I not say this last week? Toronto will struggle the first month of the season mightily. Then there will be tra- there will be changes. There, there will be trades. Things will happen. And it's going to happen. This is a theme that will happen in every Toronto game. And you'll get used to this if you're a Leafs fan. Toronto is a better team. If you look back last game, Toronto outshot them. Toronto outchanced them. Toronto had better puck possession. Toronto was better. If you just watch that game 60 minutes, you would say, gosh, Toronto, they were, they're a pretty good team. 
the reason they lost their defense, turning the puck overs, looking slow. Matt Murray is a bad goalie. I know, I know some of them were not his fault. Some of them were his fault. Matt Murray is not the answer for this team. I, I, I could clip that audio out and play it every time the Leafs play and just save ourselves a lot of time because that will be a constant theme for the first month of this season until they change something. They'll go to Samson off tomorrow. They have a back-to-back. They have a brutal first month of the schedule of Toronto Maple Leafs. I think they play 10 games in a stretch of like two and a half weeks. They have a five-game road trip near the end of the month. They play four and six to start the season. It's a brutal schedule for the Leafs the first half of the, the first month of the season. They're going to struggle. Fans are going to be calling for heads. It's going to start with Murray. He's going to be gone. No one's going to want to take him, so they're going to have to send him down or package a first-rounder for him and get another goalie to come in. But it's not good. It's not good. Friend of the show, Kirby Doc, looked good. For, for, as, for as bad as Matt Murray looked, Kirby Doc looked really good. He was all over the ice. He was a part of that game winner. He outbattles two Toronto players. The puck gets chipped to the point. Harris gets a shot. Muzzin blocks it. Whatever. We all know what happened after that. Almost had a wraparound goal. Could have went in. Matt Murray made a nice save on that. But Kirby looks good. Martin St. Louis. Everybody thought he was going to be this offensively gifted-minded coach. He was going to come in and just be dynamic. The Canadians played a really smart game. He knows the, the players that he has. He knows the players that Toronto have. He kept Toronto to the outside. Montreal blocked a ton of shots. They made Toronto shoot wide a lot. And that's the game plan that they didn't try to overextend themselves. They waited for Toronto to make a mistake, and they capitalized on the on the mistake. I know it's only game one, Tim. But it was a good game for Montreal. If they can play this way the rest of the season, <coughs> I wouldn't be surprised if they make the playoffs. I'm just saying it. They play, They looked better than the Bruins. Well, one more 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 note on Matt Murray too. It's like, yeah, you one game, whatever, anything can happen. Didn't quite have it, but man, you're matched up against the Montreal Canadiens. You're matched up against Jake Allen, and you you can't outperform them. Like Jake Allen is the bottom tier goaltender in the league. He's probably a bottom ten starter in the league, right? Starter, Matt Murray, yeah. bottom ten starter, yeah. bottom ten starter. You 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 got to beat Jake Allen. You just gotta, and he made the saves he needed to make, and Matt Murray didn't, and that's just that—that's a kind of a, a scary thing if you're looking forward, and especially like the tough schedule, like you mentioned. Murray's a bottom three starter in the league. You go through the league; he might even be the worst starter in the NHL. Name one other, maybe Grubauer in Seattle because he struggled last year. That might be a worse situation. Who's the Who's Arizona starter? We don't even know. Eight. Did they get the guy from San Jose, the Aiden guy? I can't remember. But every other situation in the NHL, barring Arizona, we're still waiting to hear their starting goaltender. But Toronto has the worst goaltending tandem in the NHL. And if you're trying to – we talked about this in the offseason. Like, what what are you doing? If you're a GM, if you're Kyle Dubas, and you, you have a Stanley Cup team and you have one more year, this is it. This is his last year. Unless they make the conference finals, he's gone. He's been with this team for years now. This is it. And you're going to bank your your whole livelihood, your career, on Matt Murray and Ilya Samsonov? Hey, hey, hey. Who's Arizona's goalie, Tim? It's Connor Ingram and then someone named Karel Vegmelka, who I don't t- – Holy moly. They're playing in a 5,000-seat arena, and they're ripping out those two guys, and, and they could be great. I don't know. I would probably take them over Matt Murray at this point because – at least those guys don't have a backstory where it's three years of just futile play. All right, moving on. Anything else on that one, Tim? 
No, no, let's cover the other big game. All right, Connor McDavid, Leon Dreinsidel, very exciting. JT Miller, friend of the show, Vancouver versus Edmonton. It's it's a big game for Vancouver. They're at home, much like the Toronto Maple Leafs. They wanted to start this season. They want to forget about last year. It was a terrible start to this season. They get Bruce Boudreaux. They make a push. They make it exciting at the end, potentially make a playoff run, didn't quite make it, but a lot of good feelings to finish up the season. The offseason happens. They get a couple good signings. Hopefully the defense can shore up. They re-sign JT Miller. Away we go. The first period and a half, Tim, Vancouver looked fantastic. Pedersen's skating. Thatcher Demko looks great. Everybody's clicking. JT Miller, friend of the show, by the way, has a goal upstairs. Vancouver's rocking. Everybody's happy. They're going to win this game. It's going to be a new season. We're not going to start off slow. I think last year they went like... 3-16-1 and one to start the season. They were atrocious. And then everybody forgot Connor McDavid is the man. Connor McDavid said, hold my beer. I'm going to win this game. Him and Leon Dreinsidel. <sighs> They're good. They are so good. What happened after it was 3-0, Tim? Take, take us through the absolute just clinic that Edmonton put on Vancouver once they got down 3-0. Yeah, it was five straight goals for, for for Edmonton, which is crazy because you thought you it didn't look like it, right? Like it wasn't just the goals. It was like they were out playing and they were out hustling them and Jack Campbell didn't look good. JT Miller is that goal that he shed. It was a good shot, but Campbell should have had that. And it's three nothing and then Dry scores on the power play. And then McDavid scores on the power play. Darnell Nurse scores shorthanded, shorthanded and, it's, yeah. and it's three to two after two, and all of a sudden, or it's three to three at this point. Tie game. It's a special team that'll kill you. We talked about that before, and then just at this point, it's anyone's game, and you know the better team is usually going to win in that situation. And this, in this situation, it's the Oilers, especially with Connor McDavid. He gets he gets the go ahead goal, and then. Empty Neckel, uh, cool little moment. Vander Kane probably could have tucked that in, but he gave him back to McDavid for the hat trick. And Connor McDavid has three goals and an assist. Dry Settle had a goal and two assists, I think, and the two best players in the league combined for seven points already, only one game in. And you can just see every time they scored, they would just show Bruce Boudreau and the, and the <laughs> Vancouver Canucks just sad. I almost, I actually did feel sad. Like I felt bad for him for a second because he just like looked so defeated and rejected. Um, and so, yeah, I don't have a problem with this. Interesting note, too. I saw our friend Dan from Nation Network point this out, I think. Darnell Nurse paid almost 27 minutes, which is a lot for an opening night roster. Do you think he's going to be relied on too heavily this year? No, I don't think that that's outrageous. Is that a lot? 27? Yeah, I feel like that's a going rate for a $9.5 million defenseman. I don't know. To, to pair that up with, with anybody else, go to the Carolina stats or go to the Rangers. Like, what did Adam Fox get his first game? I don't think it's that much. Nurse, yeah. he scored a goal. Got a nice shorthanded goal. He played well. Edmonton looked good. Edmonton looked really good. Has there ever been a team like the Edmonton Oilers where no lead is safe? None, like no lead at all is safe when you're playing the Edmonton Oilers. We saw it last year versus the Flames in the playoffs, and the, then they played the Avalanche in the playoffs. I don't care if you're down by four. I don't care if you're down by five. Anytime you have McDavid a dried sidle, it's incredible how easy they make it look. McDavid scores one. They scores two. He just doesn't even celebrate anymore. He's just, I don't know. It's just unfair to watch that because it's just so easy to them. It's so incredibly easy. Did you see that second goal, their, their power play goal? They win the faceoff. I had to watch that goal. I must have watched it five or six times in a row because it was just so lightning quick. I had to see if Dreinsidel 
purposely passed the puck over to McDavid for the goal. Because I didn't know if he did or not. I didn't know if he meant to shoot it and it just went off his stick. He meant to pass that over. And immediately I was like, that's Jay Woodcroft. Jay Woodcroft, their head coach, he took over last year from Todd McClennan, I believe, midway through the season. When he was in San Jose with me, well, I should say I was there with him. He had, we had the best power play because of him. He breaks down a power play so good, better than anybody I've ever seen. And I've been around, I've been around a lot of coaches and I've been around a lot of power play because I, I'm usually the, the scout team PK and I'm always there. And the way that he works a power play, the way that he sees a power play is so much better than any other mind I've ever seen. He doesn't see it as a five on four. He sees it as a three on two or a two on one. He says, we need to break this down into just little three on twos or little two on ones around the ice. And that was a perfect example of that. Five guys touched a puck. I was a little, it it seemed like three seconds to me. They win the puck back to the point, goes half wall, down, middle, and across in a matter of two or three seconds. It was so incredibly fast. And what they're doing is they're trying to isolate one player. And they're isolating the player who's the right side of the post, the low defenseman. You're trying to see what he's going to do. The puck goes down. I think it was Nugent Hopkins has it. If the defenseman comes at him, he pops it out to Dreinsidel. If the defenseman stays, or sorry, if the defenseman comes to him, he goes across to McDavid. If the defenseman stays pit, he goes to Dreinsidel, who's in the slot. And that's exactly what happened. The defenseman didn't pressure Nugent Hopkins, so the lane to McDavid was not there. He gives it to Dreinsidel. That defenseman pressures Dreinsidel, so Dreinsidel can either shoot or kick it out to McDavid. And he did exactly what he's supposed to do. It was no pressure, pressure, tic-tac-toe over to McDavid. It was, I like that sort of stuff because you know they worked on that in practice relentlessly. So now it's just like secondhand. Once they get the puck, if they feel the pressure, they know there's a guy back door. Dorian Seidel didn't even look. He knew McDavid was there. And we did that in San Jose too. Joe Pavelski was the guy in the slot. Burns was back door. He knew he was always going to be there or he's going to be the shooter. And I think it was Marlowe giving it to him or Couture. It would go to Burns, to Thornton, to Couture, to Pavelski in the slot. If he gets pressure, he just doesn't even look. He just goes right across the crease, and there's always a backdoor of that guy ready for an empty netter. It's just, it's fun to watch. So I, uh, that was one takeaway. Another takeaway, this Vancouver guy, Kuz, Kuzmenko, got his first NHL go. JT Miller, nice backdoor pass to him. It's the stupidest tape job I've ever seen on a hockey stick. And I've seen some bad ones. I've seen some guys throw one strip of tape. I've seen some guys just do a couple. Pasternak's got a bad one. This one is a combination of just laziness, but he's trying to do it that way, and it looks incredibly bad. It looks like a candy striper or a barber pole. Look it up. It is the worst tape job I've ever seen in my whole life. Ever in my whole life, Tim. I've seen the one strip on the bottom. I've seen a lot of tape jobs. This one is horrendous. There's no rhyme or reason for it. It doesn't help your game. It doesn't help your shot. It doesn't do anything. He's doing this because he thinks it looks cool. And it's so bad. It's so bad. Yeah, I'm looking at it now. It's like that candy stripe, but it's like uneven and sloppy. And is he doing it on purpose? Does he not care? It's it's strange. You're right. I've never seen one like that. Oh, he's doing it on purpose. And if I was a veteran in that locker room, that guy wouldn't have every stick broken in his rack. Just, Just to... Just to be a dick. I don't like that. I think it looks dumb. It take, takes away. I'm a purist. Takes away from the game a little bit. He scores the goal, and instead of me being excited for him scoring that goal, I'm fuming because I see his tape. I'm like, you son of a... I hate, I hate you. 
That's what I'm thinking. Why are you doing that? Why are you putting that on your stick? All right. The bigger story of this game, Tim, is it Edmonton's capability of coming back or Vancouver just blowing an absolute surefire win, being up 3-0 in the second period? What do you take away from this if you're a reporter or if you're us just talking about the game? It's got to be Vancouver because you know Edmonton's capable of that. And even if they do it, they're still going to be that team all season long. But this is really the question is who, which version of Vancouver are we going to see this year? And that was not a good look. They started off great and starting off great was not their, their, their specialty last season. They, they're starting off slow in games and in the season. And you think, okay, they've turned a leaf. They're looking good. They're going to beat the division champs and all of a sudden just blowing it. And I don't know how much you, is it defense? Is it Demko? Is it the offense letting up? I'm not to- quite sure. I didn't catch the entire game but didn't have the answers last night so I think this is really a frustrating loss for them to know that they actually showed up and they had a chance and they let it slip away yet again yeah Quinn Hughes didn't look good I know I'm sorry he did not look good Ekman Larson looked all right they they listen JT Miller talked about it everybody talks about it It's, it's the defense it's funny how a team can just be so flush with defensemen like the Carolina Hurricanes or the Calgary Flames they have defensemen coming to the yin yangs. So many good NHL caliber defensemen. Then you look at the Vancouver Canucks. It's like, what do we? How do we not have one? How do we not have one guy that we could put out on a penalty kill or the end of the game to, to just hold a lead? Luke Shen? No. Maybe Tucker Pullman? Maybe they're bad. They get. Hey, that's what. I don't know. They, it's gonna be a long year unless they can figure that out. And I don't want to, again, I don't want to look into, you You can look into to things the first week of the season and really take a lot out of it. If it's been a constant issue for for you for years, like Oveshka not scoring first game, he'll get his goals. I'm not too worried about that. Toronto, you know, not putting a puck in the net on a power player too. They'll, they'll get their goals. The goaltending issue in Toronto, that's a big issue. The defensive issue in Toronto and Vancouver, that's a big issue. People talked about that. That was a weakness coming in, and you did nothing to change my perception on that hypothesis. So we'll see. There are going to be some trades for these contending teams come a couple weeks because I I don't see Duba sitting on his hands. He has to do something. I don't know if he has any options, but you have to do something. You have a Stanley Cup contender potentially. But anyways, that's enough. Day one in the books. Day, Day one for real. None of this, you know, one games, two games overseas. This was it. Looking forward to the season ahead. Do we have anything else, Tim? No, I mean, full, full slate of games tonight. The two that I'm, like, most watching probably are New York and Minnesota. I think those are two very similar teams that I'd be excited to watch. And then the late night game for the East Coasters, Cal- Calgary versus Colorado. The two juggernauts out west playing each other. That, that'll be fun. One more thing. Buffalo Sabres made a, made a very surprising signing. This past week, they signed a defenseman, Matthias Samuelson, to a 30 mil, thirty million seven year contract. Gives him a 4.3 a year. The guy's only played 50 or 60 games in the NHL, has not scored a goal, 12 assists. They give him 4.3 a year. Did you see this contract? What did you think of this? Yeah, I did. I don't know him too much. I saw people were talking about him on on Twitter. It's like a it's a gutsy move to give that seven year contract. I know it's not a crazy number, but seven years to a guy that has shown very little is very strange to me. Very strange. Everybody thinks he's from Sweden. He's actually from New Jersey. Uh, went <laughs> to the NCAA. Very stay at home defenseman coming out of Western Michigan. He he's Darlene's shotgun guy. 
So from my insiders in Buffalo, people say this is a great contract. This is this is the new normal, everybody. This is what we talked about. This is what Ottawa has been doing. This is what Detroit will do when all their young guns come to a contract year, the most siders, the Lucas Raymonds, all these young guys. This is the new normal. You're going to see this happen all the time. A guy coming into his ELC, a GM, seeing the, the potential, the promise. This guy's only 22. He doesn't have a goal yet in the NHL. He's only played 54 games. That's it. And you just locked him up for $30 million for seven years. This could end up being a great contract that Buffalo ends up loving in five years when this guy's only making that much, but he's a, a top-line defensive defenseman. Or this could be in a Nikita Zaitsev situation where it's like, oops, swing and a miss, bad contract. Now we're saddled with it. we got to package them together with the first rounder if we want to compete. It's it's the way we the, the world works right now in the NHL. If you want to get ahead, if you want to be a contender, you have to have these type of contracts on your team in order to succeed. Colorado did it. It worked out. You sign Nathan McKinnon, jackpot. They did it with Kale McCarr. They did it with a couple other guys. We'll see if it works out for them. But it's it, it was a very – a lot of people had a lot of um, comments on this one. I, I think it's good. Obviously, it's good for the player for the first few years. It could be great for the Sabres the last four or five years. We'll see how it works out for the Sabres. They have a lot of money to spend. There's a luxury of being a, a basement-dwelling team. You don't invest too much in your team. All right, that's all, Tim. With that being said, I hope everybody has a good weekend. Thanks for listening. Another exciting thing. I've got some comments about my bad microphone. Just bought a brand new one, Tim. It's coming tomorrow. You're going to hear a silky smooth John Scott come Tuesday or Monday. We're going to three shows next week because the season started. Get ready. It's going to be a great season, everybody. Go out and have some fun. We'll catch you all on Monday. Cheers, everybody. Thanks for listening to Dropping the Gloves with John Scott, a member of the Nation Network of Podcasts. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts from to never miss an episode. Delivered by DoorDash.